0: Change for the better. My father, whom I adored, disappeared when I was four, and my mother and I moved in with my aunt and uncle. One night when I was nine years old, my mother and I were home alone. She had recently undergone surgery and seemed to be recovering well. In celebration of her return, I was wearing my ballerina Halloween costume. We were sitting close together on the couch, watching her favorite singer, Nat King Cole, on television when suddenly she began bleeding violently. I ran out into the hallway to get someone to help us, but couldn't find anyone. My mother managed to tell me to call an ambulance immediately, and then to call my grandmother, whom I hardly knew, to come get me. Shaking uncontrollably, I complied. After that evening, I never saw her again. About two weeks later, she died in the hospital. After that, I lived with my father's parents and rarely heard mention of my mother again. My childhood continued to unfold through terrifying, uprooting turns and incomprehensible losses. When I was 11, my grandfather died, and one day my father returned. The handsome prince I'd secretly imagined had been replaced by a disheveled, hard-bitten, troubled stranger. A few days after he arrived, my entire body broke out in hives. When I got back from the doctor's office, my father told me, you have to be tough to be able to survive life. Six weeks later, he took an overdose of sleeping pills. I stood outside in the cold, holding my grandmother's hand among a crowd of gawking neighbors as he was carried out on a stretcher. I watched as the flashing red lights receded and the sirens faded. Now both of my parents had been spun away from me in the back of an ambulance. That night, my father entered the mental health system. He was never able to function outside of it again. One of the hardest parts of all the loss and dislocation was that it was surrounded by an ambient, opaque silence about what was happening. Because no one spoke openly or even acknowledged all the changes as loss, my immense grief, anger, and confusion remained held inside. Whenever the cover slipped, I scrambled to hide the feelings, or distort them, so no one would really know, especially not myself. When John Kennedy was assassinated, I couldn't stop crying. My grandmother asked me why, and I replied, simply, because his children have lost their father. The story I was telling myself was that what I felt didn't matter anyway. It seemed as if I spent most of my childhood, and even my teenage years, curled up in bed, lost in a separate, shadowed existence built of sadness. I repeatedly invented scenarios of having parents just like anybody else. The dream of answering, just like anybody else, the schoolteacher's question, what does your father do for a living, was the kindling that fed the fire of many of my secret fantasies. I'd summon images of my mother coming back, as though from a long trip, like anybody else's mother might. But I wasn't at all like anybody else seemed to be. Of course, none of them were like they seemed either, but I didn't know that then. Feeling so different, I liked playing it safe more than anything, seeing life from a distance, never really engaging preferring to lose myself in the seductive play of listlessness. While silent dreams and desires played out within me, in most situations I'd insist with bravado, I didn't want that anyway. When I lived with my grandparents, color television was just becoming the rage. I longed for one, but they couldn't afford it. To compensate, my grandmother, who cared a lot about me, bought a special plastic sheet to place over the black and white screen to create a faint illusion of color. This rainbow aura bore no relationship to the figures and settings of the stories depicted in the programs. I wanted to rip off that bizarre front and plead for the real thing. Instead, I silently tolerated the charade, not betraying my desire. I didn't care about anything, or so I hoped it seemed. I came to know very well the protection of distance, of a narrowed, compressed world. Though it was my own act of pulling back, I felt forsaken. I told myself a story that there was no way out of the world that turned me in upon myself. Years later, as an adult, I would find the phrase that perfectly described my dilemma. Some friends and I had rented a house near the ocean, where we could practice meditation on our own for a few days. In my designated bedroom, I found a Peanuts comic strip on the desk, which went something like this. Lucy is sitting in a little booth, a doctor is inside prominently displayed. She tells Charlie Brown, You know what your problem is, Charlie Brown? The problem with you is that you're you. Crush, Charlie Brown asks, What in the world can I do about that?